It's easy to get lost. This is The Revenue Maze, and I'm Valerie Cobb. Join me as we navigate the halls, dead ends, and U-turns on our path towards upward growth trajectory. The Revenue Maze is sponsored by Lodestar URY, guidance and execution through fractional revenue leadership, uncovering hidden revenue streams, and empowering small business growth through process-driven sales. All right, welcome everybody to the Revenue Maze again. And I am so excited today with this episode to be on with an amazing individual. And I've been thinking about this show for a little while and thinking about ways that I can really accurately introduce this person. He's a visionary. He's a serial entrepreneur, autonomous vehicle designer. That's all near and dear to all of our hearts right now. CEO, founder at Jago Technologies. We have today, Frederick Apogony. Welcome, Frederick. Thank you very much, Valerie. It's a pleasure to be on the podcast. Awesome. I'm so excited now. We always start this way because we're trying to figure out how to help companies get out of the revenue maze. So you got to come out swinging. And I need to ask you the very first show question, which is what is one strategy companies need to use to get out of the revenue maze and find the growth they're looking for? Great. I mean, it's a great question. I mean, there are different ways companies can get out the revenue maze and um, tap into some uh, growth. So as we both know, revenue and capital are oxygen of most, pretty much every business. And the lack of those two lens there can lead to the closure of the business. And for us as a technology company, and for me, I've, all my business is always being technology driven um, and being technology solutions, I'm big on hard using or rather collecting important customer data. Now, most businesses do not use their existing customer data properly or know how to gain access to future potential customers. And I'm not talking about name, email, and all the other stuff, but more so the buying behavior, the consumer behavior with their products or competitors' products. Um, for us or for myself, it's always been important to not just collect data, but to also organize that data effectively. So you're able to get the information that you need. For us, we use, when we're collecting data from our devices or solutions, um, sometimes I can collect a lot of unuse, unnecessary data. So again, not only are you collecting data, but being able to filter and organize that data into uh, sets that you can use to uh, gather better information about that customer's needs, the problems they're running into, their customer behavior, and um, just certain challenges or uh, successes there. Um, now, once a customer, once a business is able to collect or harvest this data on their customer's behavior, uh, whether it's an existing customer, they're able to like, every data shows you what a customer needs or what problems that they're running into. So if you're, you could either upsell a new customer, um, an existing customer, you can introduce them to new products um, by understanding that customer better thanks to data. And uh, you can also create programs that could potentially uh, drive, you know, um, referral-based um, systems from your existing target customers or the new ones. 
um, if done properly. Um, I believe that when businesses are able to use or tap into that, into their customers' data, able, that's why you have companies like Amazon. Amazon is able to retain you for a longer period of time because they understand you as a customer. They're able to refer or suggest better products that you probably weren't thinking about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my, exactly. wife, my wife orders all the time from Amazon. So, you, you know, you most likely order from Amazon or Amazon uh, yeah, customer. Yeah, I have to admit it. <laughs> exactly. So I started shopping on Amazon in college for books, right? And from them understanding my buying behavior from that one single product, they were able to introduce me to all the products that were useful to me. And over time, I've become a long-term customer. Now, how the, the amount of money that I've spent at Amazon just by them being able to use that customer profile data and create new products or solutions for myself and others, um, that obviously has led to the growth of revenue in that company. And Amazon is a case study for most businesses and being able to not just retain customers, but being able to actually grow their revenue as a result. So instead of chasing new customers, their, their focus has always been retaining new customers. So if you're able to retain new customers, now they go out, as I mentioned earlier in the sense of data, they're able to go out and refer their own network um, to your business. And that's, in, the, in a nutshell, to keep things concise, I believe that's the best way businesses in 2020, in, in 2022, and in this time and era, that's the best way to grow revenue, or one of the best ways to, to get out the revenue maze and and get out of the revenue maze. Yeah. You know, it's interesting um, because a lot of the listeners on this show are, are small businesses and Amazon, of course, is, is massive. Right. You said one thing that really struck a chord with me, and that was the whole analysis by paralysis. So I was very curious um, sort of how you how you would have some of the small businesses figure out kind of what they would need to gather a little bit because, you know, Amazon sure. was built overnight. So it did take them time Correct. to do that. And where did they, like, where did you start? Like, where do you start in your current company? Sure. I mean, so like going back to what you said about small businesses and they're not Amazon and not being able to uh, gather the same amount of data Amazon's able to gather they're able to utilize other SaaS solutions that reduce the cost of collecting data. Now, when you, for a startup like Jago, which is focused on e-mobility solutions, um, we're tapping into the power of not just autonomous electric vehicles and data uh, collection there, but being able to build an infrastructure that benefits small businesses. Right. You asked how did, how did we start? Uh, it, it started with a problem center around logistics. Um, again, going down to, first of all, the customer pro problem and the entrepreneur's problem and, mer and merging both of them, right? Um, being able to get products or urgent care services that you need, healthcare service, services that you need brought to your location, right? And as you had mentioned earlier, right now, majority of the market um, understands the, the importance of autonomous vehicles when it comes to logistics. Now, when we go back to e-mobility and energy, um, how Jago is helping small businesses is helping them turn their um, parking lots 
on used parking lots and parking spaces into revenue generating opportunities with our EV chargers, mm -hmm. where they're able to participate in the revenue share uh, model. All they have to do is, um, well, obviously our team connects with them. They do an assessment of their space and we install our hardware and infrastructure there, which is a big um, piece in driving the adoption of electric, electric vehicles. Now, not only are we um, installing these hardware pieces that can help us provide electric vehicle charging to EV owners, but also those businesses, as we mentioned earlier, gain access to data on the back end from our software and the SaaS solution that allows them to not only understand the customers who are charging out their business, but they're also able to add those customers to their database because they're part of their customer database and reach out to them with um, new marketing or business opportunities. Interesting. Yeah. And I know people go, well, they got my data. They get, well, they already got their data. They gave that up when they started shopping at Amazon, right? <laughs> or... right. Well, so when, <laughs> now speaking about data in sense of, uh, of that part, whether it's your name or email, customers still have to opt in if they want to participate in those in that. Because that's the that's with the new policies, it's a companies and everyone actually have this ethics that we have to follow in when when using customers' data. So we're not we're not in support of on ethical users of data, but more so customer history or customer purchase history and referring useful um, solutions or products to them or reminding them about using that existing product. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're in, the, we're in the digital deluge era, so it's really difficult to sift through things. So I, I've always appreciated that Amazon does make a recommendation because it's like, oh, thank you. That takes me time to research and fit, you know, and if they know my buying behavior, then they know kind of what I need and it takes me less time. It also Correct. puts people a little bit up against a wall for the guys who are trying to penetrate the market, you know, and making sure that they get set up properly. So it does get on my radar as well, you know, but Correct. Uh, yeah, and that's, I, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'll just add it to what you said, the new guy, I think that's what you, you mentioned, the new guys that are getting to the market, Amazon's platform allows them to get discovered. And those guys are small businesses, Yeah. right? Yeah. So the merchants on the platform, again, tapping into a bigger platform's data infrastructure to better manage your own business. You know, in 2022, there are a lot of tools and resources that allows businesses to connect with target customers, uh, whether remotely um, or automating their processes. Um, I mean, most payment gateways uh, such as Square and Stripe offer rich data on customer behavior so i i do agree with you in regards to the amazon part there with small business and merchants so i'm curious is that a little bit because you're very data driven is that a little bit how you came up with the concept for jago because um when you were talking about it yes we know that that just from tesla and all these all the pr that's out there about all this um and we, we'll talk about autonomous vehicles in a moment, right? But um, as, as we talk about that, is that how that sparked getting that product to market, getting Jago on the market um, is just watching the buying behaviors? How, how is that helping? 
Sure. It, it's a, it was a combination of things, but definitely data-driven and experience-driven. Um, I would start on the data-driven part, because that's the uh, focus on the data-driven part. But it was also primarily tied to my personal experience, a tragic loss. I loved one died in a car accident. Took EMT and police four hours to get to him. And um, that was where that, in, in 2018, that was when the immediate urgent need for me in terms of solving that problem, not for myself, because clearly the person had passed on, but for others, so they don't experience that pain. So I tabled that, not tabled, but I continued to work on it quietly while I was working on my other businesses that are still running. And during the pandemic, that was, I was, um, prior to pandemic, I was also trading stock options. And during the pandemic, I was trading more stock options, but this time was focused on EVs and smart city related projects, IoT projects, energy, clean energy, and I was also part, part of uh, government projects that were centered around automation and smart city projects. So all a lot of the data that I was seeing on the stock option side, because trading stock options requires a lot of data. You're tr actually trading data, yeah. not money. You're trading data. And your data is wrong, you, know, you, know, you, you end up losing money. Or if your data is right, you end up making money. And I was right a lot of times, not just on was based on the data that I had access to, the charts and et cetera. So the charts and data showed that there was an exploding, well, not at the time, but a growing demand for automation and e-mobility related technologies. So that allowed me to better, to move forward with our process um, in the right direction in regards to the designing and building of the product because I wouldn't say I wasn't 100% certain, as you already know, not every data is 100% correct at all times, like 99.6. So we decided to take a leap of faith in regards to that data that we had access to, customer buying behavior, and also the money and funds and resources that the government, not just in the US, but globally is setting, not just aside, but actually putting out for e-mobility related projects. And uh, we believe that our solution, because other competitors or other manufacturers that we wanted to partner with at the time, they didn't have what we were looking to, to, to build. So we decided to take it on ourselves to be part of the infrastructure developers of e-mobility solutions. Obviously the other bigger players, but we have our own angle, which is centered around community, also centered around benefiting um, others that wouldn't typically have access to e-mobility solutions. And we're talking about electric vehicles, autonomous vehicles, and electric vehicle charging. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's, that is the wave. You and I've talked about that just a little offline about right. that, that I've experienced even in the heavy equipment, you know, even for the safety aspects, right? So, um, you know, in mining equipment and stuff like that through um, various companies like Volvo and Vero with their launch. And then, of course, Amazon has some things moving that direction as well. So right. you're, you're right on the money. So at, it, to me, it's just an amazing thing that you're, you're doing for sure, right? And I, I love how passionate you are about making that happen, you know, so I, it, it, it's very interesting. So I have to just kind of go through and say, okay, well, then if we talk about that, what is your biggest challenge today? 
in general. I mean, our biggest challenge today is tied to, uh, I would say, capital and team, you know, hiring team members, the right team members as a starter. So obviously, as a, as a in the space that we're in, it's somewhat capital intensive in terms of building these things out and also deploying them. But it's capital intensive in the short term, or to some it might be, but it's an investment really because of the urgent need of these things. 100 EV models by 2024, which means over tens of millions of electric vehicles We're in 2022 right now, that's two years from now, goes by very fast. Um, so the capital that we're seeking allows us to deploy our solutions faster to meet those customer, those urgent customer needs that exist in the market today. And obviously, capital also helps with hiring more best top talent that are right for the position. So those are two things um, for us, but in, in the sense of a company. But when it comes to infrastructure deployment, we would say support from the government, like quicker or faster support. There already is resources and funding available. Um, should be more. It's not enough. It's about, I mean, we've already heard about the Build Back Better program. That's part of um, the plans for to, to grow the e-mobility space in the U.S. So having the support of, of the government definitely helps, you know, with the growth of companies like ours. Um, yeah. test, that's why one of the key reasons that Tesla had that explosive growth. And uh, yeah, we, we do believe that it is possible for us to uh, positively impact the community in the sense of creating new jobs, um, adding new sources of income for businesses that can, when we're utilizing their parking lots or with our electric vehicle charging stations that we'll be building out as well. So uh, those are some of the challenges and yeah. <laughs> Well, it sounds like you've got some, you've already got the tick list in your head on how you're overcoming some of that stuff. And, and you're right, government, anything government sticky, we used to always say there's only two things sure in life is death and taxes, but that's because government gets involved. Right. 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 But yeah, I remember when I was in healthcare, uh, I'm talking to, I'm not going to name the company, but I was talking to a massive multi-billion dollar company and right. I said, it's, uh, it is a slow moving machine. And, and I remember her saying, well, we've got the CMS's ear. And I said, well, it's better to move around that mountain than try to move through that mountain. Right. <laughs> so it was right. Like, move around it. It is a slow moving machine. And it's just and like, oh, yeah. We're working with a lobbyist firm to help us with our government relations. That, and, and that helps you know, with meetings and stuff. But again, the government still doesn't move. As we all know, globally, government doesn't move as fast, um, obviously because of the different arms and the different moving parts in the government, but also just because of, you know, change sometimes takes time. It, it does. It does. And sometimes, well, and I... I'm kind of poking fun a little bit, but the reality is it takes time to get consensus. But the good news is, is if that is the direction they're moving and we all know that infrastructure is for the next 50 years is supposed to be the big thing, right? With all the mega cities and the growth um, globally, 
um, if they're if they're backing that idea, then obviously investors get a bit excited because that becomes a very sticky kind of situation. So that's that's awesome. So, anyways, um, I'm just curious. Uh, you talked about books earlier. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I would love to hear your book recommendations because it's obviously helped you get a little bit to where you are today. <laughs> how many how many books should I limit it to? <laughs> if you like me share? and read constantly, uh, maybe just for just the listeners, what's one of your top three that you you know two three of your top ones that you really love? Okay, so three top ones start with why by Simon Sinek. Mm-hmm. Uh, great book allows you to gain clarity if you're already aware on pursuit of a purpose or searching for purpose it allows you to gain clarity on that you know but just for those who've never read the book it's uh centered around how leaders of companies can draw stakeholders or attract stakeholders to their company by getting them connected to the why the vision not the what because the what always changes Right. But the why, like Apple's why is simplicity. And they've been able to do that through multiple what's or vehicles. Sure. Right. So that's one of my favorite books. The other one is Relentless. I'm going to mention both of these books, Relentless and Winning by Tim S. Grover. He's Michael Jordan's former coach, like personal physical coach. Kobe as well. Dwayne Wade. I think it's trained Charles Barkley as well. Basically trained all the great greatest athletes yeah it goes right in so it focuses on the mind and i'm really big on um i mean all pretty much all the books i'm referring to are focused on that just on on mental you know the mental gym and uh being able to tap into our inner strength Right, because that's where it all, if you're empty on the inside, you can't really pour much on the world outside. So most of the books that I read are centered around that. And since we're talking three, <laughs> um, oh yeah, Modern Monopolies. Oh, okay. Modern Monopolies is a book focused on, now it's, don't focus on the Monopolies word, but more so, <laughs> It's focused on how companies like Amazon, let's use a good example, Apple versus BlackBerry, how they use network effects and platform, the platform business model, which is what Jego, and I'm a platform business business model architect. I build, I'm an ecosystem architect. I've always worked on platforms, connecting two parties using a marketplace type of strategy. so the book focuses on how these companies are able to outlast and out-earn eventually um, linear, linear based linear business models, right? So if you compare how when, when Apple came into the, the scene with uh, the App Store, that was what allowed them to become a platform business model, true, a true platform business model. Because now you had developers around the world and create their own apps and put it on the Apple platform. And obviously you have Apple Music and all the other different tools that are also platforms. Now, at the time, let's focus on the phones. With BlackBerry, BlackBerry wasn't able to create that same platform 
or network effects that Apple did. And that was how Apple was able to outlast them. Same thing with Netflix versus Blockbuster. Yeah. Black network network effects. Yeah. Um, and then I'm, you know, Amazon was after Walmart did that, but Walmart responded and was able to get their platforms. <laughs> I'm surprised. Usually in that, you know, Walmart was able to outlast or not outlast, but they survived that period. Yeah, that's an interesting one. <laughs> very interesting one. I thought they were going to go out of business during the pandemic, but they already had their platform. They already they were ready for that. They already had their own ecosystem or their platform, their yeah. online. So that allowed them. So that's what that book is focused on, using network effects, platform business models. Again, going back to what you asked earlier about how you get out the revenue maze. Yeah. I am a strong believer that network effects allow businesses to tap again into that customer profile history purchasing data and profile, not just even that, but using that network effects where you bring them into your ecosystem and they bring on five, by sharing that link, they're bringing on five, 10 people. So like, it's, that's the power. I believe that's, for us, that's what we're doing at Jago. We, yeah. we incorporate a platform, a business model. That's how we plan to keep growing our revenue in other ways. And it's a great way to build a moat yeah. when you have different, levels of uh, network effects per se, um, where a linear business model with a brick and mortar approach, right? If they had to open another or expand, it would have to build another location. Whereas if Amazon wants to expand to um, another territory, they just have to set up the, obviously there's an office need, but on the business side, they're not doing much more than just pushing X amount of buttons and setting up um, in that new territory. So I would I would recommend that as well. Uh, tying back to the, the focus of revenue maze. Yeah, no, that that's fantastic, and I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek's um, "Start with Why." And I've definitely taken some notes down to uh, add those to my because I I love reading as well. I mean. As you were thinking about it, it's it's a little as you were starting to describe the reasoning behind that, it really it makes a lot of sense in the um, same sense in sales, because I'm I'm obviously a fractional chief revenue right. officer. And and networking is, you know some of your biggest ways to get at more customer base, even when you're, when you're in the sales side of the fence. Right. So, um, and I laugh because when you were talking about Apple against Blackberry, yeah, I, I did a presentation so long palm, right. <laughs> and it oh, was, wow. Oh yeah. Wow. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I had that too. So I had that phone. So yeah, I was one of the Blackberry folks that refused to switch over to iPhone initially. <laughs> Because I was like, it works perfectly fine. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, uh, an Android person. Oh, okay, gotcha. I have had, I have had at my full time equivalents, I've had iPhones and things like that. But no, I'm just, I'm teasing. Anyway, oh, wow. I, I think um, I loved actually. Simon Sinek does use Apple a lot for a lot of his examples for it, and correct great things that they did to follow that. And of course you would follow Amazon and some of what, what they did right. I think, I can't remember if it was Jim Collins and Good to Great, but they talked about that Walmart example and how yeah, they yeah. actually did bridge because when everybody else was going, oh, holy crud, what do we do? 
they were they working. They did. They responded, and they um, respond. it was it's it's just an amazing amazing study. But okay, so we all know that you're amazing at this point, right? <laughs> and I want to know you. a little bit more about you, like from little you, present you, that kind of stuff. What drove you? I don't go back a hundred years, but just what drove you to get to this point today? I'm, I'm curious. Hmm. Well, my environment, you know, I come from an entrepreneurship family mm. and that was where the foundation of that, I would say started. My, we have a family business, manufacturing business has been around for 35 years and we manufacture furnitures, um, anywhere from, but they're more on the high end medium medium to high inside so glass wood brass stainless steel gates doors but and these are gates with designs and art my dad's an artist and a sculptor so that was my parents were the foundation that was my inspiration um and he was always big on entrepreneurship and that we should do that i always wanted to play basketball <laughs> professionally i played in college but he he wasn't a big fan of that you know, um, he just believed in entrepreneurship. So maybe that was part of like my whole push subconsciously. But I love business. I've always loved business for as long as I remember. I remember as a nine-year-old drawing a sketch on my wall in my closet, a building, and I named it, you know, that was going to be my corporation or whatever. So I've always loved business. In, in high school, I, I would buy cookies or, you know, candy or whatever and sell it to my Pairs that were like six, seven years old. You know, obviously, I didn't, it wasn't a sustained thing, right? It wasn't like the years, but I did it at a period. I remember doing that. And I used to, you know, I've always been entrepreneurship in college. I did the same thing too, um, as well. But I've just always had that drive or desire to solve problems. Yeah. yeah. I see a problem. I, I'm not the person to complain and complain about it or going. Um, just looking at it and not doing nothing about it. I'm the type of person to see a problem. Obviously, I can't solve all problems. Yeah. But I always, I always think about the solution. Even if I'm not the professional for that, I, just, I think about what will that look like when it's solved. Um, but most importantly for me, entrepreneurship is a great way to create or attain freedom. And I love my freedom yeah. as a human. And I believe... I mean, that's where the world is going. The gig economy, shared economy is going to rely on everyone being an entrepreneur of some sort, uh, being able to sell because the, the GBI, global biz basic income, is not going to suffice. It's not going to be enough when jobs are being lost or automated, lost automation. New jobs will be created as a result of automation, but there will be a lot of displacement as well. So for me, it's always been around the same thing again solving problems. And right now for me, the next, the rest of my life is really centered around building businesses that helps or contributes to economic empowerment. That's my why, is to contribute to mental liberation and economic empowerment. That's what drives me. I love to create sources of income, jobs, and do whatever it is to help community get better using entrepreneurship. And most of the solutions I create is always centered around bringing community together, using technology to create genuine um, human interactions. So that's what drives me. Um, problem solver, 
love business um, and being able to create value for myself and for others. Um, most importantly, so because entrepreneurship is really centered around solving the problem that you experience first. And then you realize, wait, I'm definitely not, you know, obviously after you collect the data and research and all that, you realize you're not the only one experiencing that problem. So that that was, you know, not sure that was my my background inspiration and why and you know, representation, a bunch of other things. And but in a nutshell, that's it for me. That's amazing. And as you were talking about that, I could feel that inspiration with it, um, you know, and I, it, it's, we won't talk about my why right now, but they're intertwined. So that's awesome. But at the end of the day, I also, a little birdie told me that are you, now you're a Michael Jordan fan too, like a diehard Michael, Michael Jordan. Yeah, I definitely, <laughs> definitely Michael Jordan and Kobe. Oh, Kobe. Yes. Uh -huh. Both, but definitely a big Michael Jordan fan. For sure. For both of them, for sure. Yeah. Well, I so you still kept a little of that basketball, even though your dad wasn't way into that. I was like, okay, I, I oh, I still play. I still play. <laughs> I still, I still, I still play. I love playing. I haven't lost my skill. I still play. I can still dunk. Um, and I still love it. It's. I mean, I play a lot of different sports. I love to swim. I skydive. Oh, wow. I I do you know I horseback riding, I just picked that up. I've apparently been pretty good at it. So it's it's I'm a natural, and I you know I love it. It's free and yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love those. I just love sports, and I, I'm an outdoors guy. I love sports. So like you said, again, that's the type of person I am. I I like to get my hands dirty. My hands always have to do something. Yeah. <laughs> Probably I don't hands and your hands. <laughs> yeah, it's both because it, like both? my dad taught me when you paint, when you're doing sculptural work or doing anything with your hands primarily, you're engaging your mind and also your subconscious mind. So whether it's sweeping the floor, washing a window, washing the table, anything you're doing really um, with your hands has to be productive, like producing something yeah. or helping or supporting. That's awesome. All right. So we've learned such amazing things today from you. And I just need to ask you, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, they can find me on LinkedIn. My full name, Frederick Apagane. Uh, maybe you can share the link as well. I hope you can share the link. I you must share the on... link because I'm not sure they'll know how to spell your last name. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, exactly. So Frederick Apagane, and they can also connect with me on um, Instagram, above at mind, um, spelled A-B-O-V-A-V -A -A underscore mind. It's just above average mind. I share stuff around that. That's another way to connect with me, but primarily link LinkedIn for sure. And uh, you can follow Jago Technologies on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, it's two separate words. It's Jago Technologies. And they can also find Jago Technologies on Instagram, one word, uh, Jago Technologies. And they can find us on Twitter as well. And they could visit uh, startengine.com forward slash Jago as well to learn more about Jago and how to invest as well in Jago. Yeah, that's awesome. And we will. We'll list everything on the podcast channels 
and on YouTube and a bit of a summary of what this was because this was amazing. And so um, I'd like to thank all of the people who are listening for the res on the revenue maze. I always seem to jabber on a little bit, but anyways, I, I'd like to thank them all for listening. And I want to thank you again, Frederick, for being on thank our you show. Very much. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thank you all for joining another great episode. For show notes, links, and resources, visit revenuemaze.com. And never forget, you are why.